Welcome to the In the Light Ministries of Philadelphia Church Sermon of the Week. For more information about this podcast, resources, and other ways to get connected, please visit inthelight.church. I'm going to read a scripture to you found in Genesis 18. If you don't mind, would you rise as I read the word? It's found in Genesis 18. If you have your Bibles, that'd be great to turn to it. If you have your tablets, that'd be great to open up to it. Nothing like not only hearing the word of God, but reading it as it's read. As it's read. So it says, The Lord appeared again to Abraham near the oak grove belonging to Mamre. One day, Abraham was sitting at the entrance to his tent during the hottest part of the day. He looked up and noticed three men standing nearby. When he saw them, he ran to meet them and welcomed them, bowing low to the ground. My Lord, he said, if it pleases you, stop here for a while. Rest in the shade of this tree while water is brought to wash your feet. And since you've honored your servant with this visit, let me prepare some food to refresh you before you continue on your journey. All right, they said, do as you have said. So Abraham ran back to the tent and said to Sarah, hurry, get three large measures of your best flour, knead it into dough and bake some bread. And Abraham ran out to the herd and chose a tender calf and gave it to his servant who quickly prepared it. When the food was ready, Abraham took some yogurt and milk and the roasted meat And he served it to the men. As they ate, Abraham waited on them in the shade of the trees. Where is Sarah, your wife, the visitors asked. She's inside the tent, Abraham replied. Then one of them said, I will return to you about this time next year, and your wife Sarah will have a son. Sarah was listening to this conversation from the tent. Abraham and Sarah were both very old by this time, and Sarah was long past the age of having children, so she laughed silently to herself and said, how could a worn-out woman like me enjoy such pleasure, especially when my master, my husband, is also so old? And the Lord said to Abraham, why does Sarah laugh? Why does she say, can an old woman like me have a baby? Is anything too hard for the Lord? I will return about this time next year and Sarah will have a son. Sarah was afraid, so she denied it, denied it, saying, I didn't laugh. But the Lord said, no, you did laugh. <laughs> Feisty Lord, you. Before you sit down, would you just turn to your neighbor, turn to the people beside you and maybe behind you and in front of you, and just let them know that you are super. And let them know, I am super. I am super. Have a seat, have a seat. And I want us to say this together. We are super. Let's say it again. We are super. I'm going to say it in the count of three so that we can all get this at the same time. One, two, three. We are super, yes. We are 
super. That's what I want to talk about today. And that might make you laugh a little bit. That, that comment, that, that might, might be comical to just talk about we are super. What do you, what do you mean by that? Um, well, what, what you're going to find if you've been with us for any time that we live in expectancy, that we live in an expectancy. We live in an expectancy that might make other people laugh in how expectant we are for God to be able to do something now, that God can do something today, that it might have been a long time and we might have been believing for something for a long time. We haven't had something happen in a long time, but we still live with an expectancy that might, some people might find comical when we kind of bring it up. Or we actually are in a place where we li- live in this expectancy so much so that we, we, we come to this place. We come to the house of God. We gather with the saints. And we really lean in believing that today can be the day. Now can be the hour where that thing happens. That thing is birthed. That thing is manifested. That, we, we, that, that, that might make people laugh. They might find that funny, but we live with expectancy. We believe something can happen today. Like, 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 like now. And, 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 and so people that are not kind of used to that, and that's not the world that they're in, where, where everything for them is the impossible is impossible. But in the world that we live in, the impossible is possible with God, that he can do something now. He can do something today. We, we, we believe in the supernatural. There's a natural order to things, but there's a supernatural order to things that we believe in, that, that, the, that when we read this word, and if this word is the word, the Bible is what guides us, as we look at that Bible, we can't avoid bumping into the supernatural. If you were to take your Bible and, and rip out all the parts that had anything to do with supernatural, you would probably be only left with a genealogy or two. Because everything in this word and in this Bible we profess to believe, and this God we profess and we worship and we serve, is supernatural. That's just his world. In fact, in his world, it's not supernatural. It's natural. But when it comes into our natural, it becomes supernatural. So we, so we believe something can happen now. We believe something can happen today. That signs, wonders, and miracles are a thing that can happen. Isn't that good news? So, so if you're, you're, you just want to go to a place where you just want a good, nice little church pep talk once in a while and all that stuff, we, we can go there. We can do that. We can inspire. But we, we know that some people need a miracle. We know that some people need an impossible situation to be turned around. And so we lean into God. We, 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 we consider his word. We see how that can manifest in our midst. It, may, it might have not happened last week, but it can happen now. It can happen today. It might have not happened for 90 years, Sarah, but it can happen today. So we believe in the supernatural. It's plastered all through the Bible. So what it's saying, what the supernatural shows us and what the Bible shows us is that God's world intersects. God's, God's world can be involved in our world. 
that his world can intervene and superimpose over our world. Now, if, if, if you know, going, going back to the beginning of the church plant, this was so pivotal that we would have, we would, we would lean into God being a supernatural God that can do the impossible. I mean, when, when we came and we started the church, we, we had people that would attend during that time when we were very small, probably about uh, 20 to 30. Uh, and, and the people that would come were people that were bitter, people that would come that they had uh, issues and habits that would, uh, of addiction. We had uh, a lot of people who came from abusive situations, people that were manipulators, people that were bound by witchcraft. So, so we needed God to do super, something supernatural. We, we needed God to intervene. And, and, and not that we don't have that nowadays, but during that time, we really felt that in the atmosphere that we needed to stir up faith and we had to believe God to do the impossible because the situations that people were coming with, no psychiatrist, no doctor, no human being could bring about the transformation that they needed outside of God's world intervening into their world. Can you say amen? So, so, so we, were, we would go into that. I can, I can recall the times I was praying before the service of God. I don't know what's going to be out there, but I need your help. I need your help. I need, I need you to intervene. I need you to crash in during worship, God. I don't know what you're going to say and how you're going to use my lips to preach a word that can reach their situation. Because a lot of their stuff I can't even relate to. But, God, you still have the ability to move towards that and, and bring a, a restoration that they need. So we would need the supernatural. This church has been built on the supernatural. Uh, my upbringing, I, I would see a few things here and there, but it wasn't too many supernatural. I can recall the time I was introduced to just a powerful moment with uh, uh, a church in Lancaster where my pastor was preaching as I'm doing, but it was on a Wednesday night. I love Wednesday nights, by the way. I love midweek service. Uh, me and my wife enjoyed it. It was almost like everybody came on Sunday, but those who came on Wednesday were about it, about it. Yeah, it got quiet and some people cheered because we know, we know. I was like, that. so we came because we were about this life. We were about, so we came and he was ministering. And as he was ministering, it was towards the end. Well, I was, I was sitting in the back because we were, you know, serving. Uh, and so for me, as I was sitting in the back, I saw an usher come up and talk to his wife. And his wife gets up with her stuff and just leaves abruptly. And as you really, I mean, he's still preaching. He's still ministering. And, but you just notice these things as you serve. You just kind of want to be aware of what's happening. And, um, and then there's an usher that starts to come down the middle aisle, uh, the middle of the aisle towards the end of where he's ministering, and he stops them. I remember that. He's just like, they were coming up, and they were like holding something. And he's like, and then he just keeps ministering and preaching. So he goes, he gets preaching, and towards the end, and, and as he's delivering the message, it was a powerful word. He said, you know, even as I'm up here speaking, I saw, and he, he, he kind of makes mention of what some of us saw, maybe not all, noticed, and that was that my wife left abruptly during the time, and I know somebody came up here, and they were about to give me a message, but that message they would have given me would have taken me off my assignment that I have to minister to you right now. So he just said, I, I, after a minute, all that stuff. So come to find out that after the service, after a powerful altar call, 
miracles, all that stuff manifests, finds out that uh, his son, who was at, in football practice, ended up uh, in the hospital because during a collision, broke his neck. So he goes, and he, he, he goes that week. We find out everybody's uh, surrounding that time and praying. He comes the following week, as we all find out, and he gives a report that as, as he was obedient to his part in seeing the mirror and all that stuff in a supernatural environment that he created during that time, he goes into that hospital, and he is in need of the supernatural again. And so he begins to cry out and plead to the father. The x-rays come to him. His neck is broken right here. He pleads on his son's behalf. He says, God, I'm, I'm here to do all that stuff. And as he does so, um, it, was, it was a couple days later, they, they, he asked for a second opinion and another x-ray. Come to find out that when they brought back the second opinion and the next x-ray, his son's neck had been healed. They couldn't find no traces of a broken neck anymore. So why I mention that for you, because that was the first time that I'm like sitting in a service and I'm seeing the pastor minister and I'm seeing all this. I was like in the room when that whole thing was going down and it looked like it was an impossible situation. You know, this was this was something that was happening in the house of God, but he needed the presence of God there in that hospital room. And just to see that and be so close to that was just a powerful moment. Like, that's my God. My God is the God of the supernatural. My God still does it today. He's still, he's still involved, and it just blew my mind to be so close to people that needed a miracle and see that manifest. And so it was in that day that I was like, I'm just chasing that God, the God of the Bible, the God that when you read about in Acts, all it is is, is supernatural occurrences and happenings. It's like I can give my life to something like that. A God who takes his world and lets his world get involved in my world. And it intersects and it intervenes and it brings about impossibilities. There's a service that uh, I remember praying for a, a young lady. And uh, we were, it, this was at the Northeast when we were doing two churches. And, and I, I remember that it was one of those services that we just went for it in praise and worship. And as we were going for it in praise and worship, God, I, God was leading me just to lay hands and pray for some people. And as they were coming up, it was just a powerful moment. But there was a specific moment where I, God, God, like, allowed me to feel the pain and enter into the, this world of hurt that this young lady who I was praying for had experienced. And it was so hard to pray over her because I was, like, weeping over the pain that I was experiencing her pain. And God allowed me to enter into that world. And as I was, I was there and I was just praying into the things that God was showing me, and, and trying to get it out, man, we were both crying uh, in, the, in her, her, her um, fiancé next to her. I mean, everybody's just like, it's, like, it's just like a moment. And uh, I'm getting words of knowledge and everything about this, and I'm just like, oh, my gosh, I can't believe God's allowing me to participate and get involved with your world in this way. And, 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 but it didn't stay there. It didn't stay me just praying about the pain and praying about the chaos and the hurt and the dysfunction and the abuse that happened in her life. He took me to a place where uh, after that was expressed so that we both knew I'm in that world with you right now. God has allowed me to enter into that world. Then I started, God started giving me words that would release healing, words that would release that she's not alone, 
She's not abandoned. She's not rejected. There's no more shame. That's new. All those words and all those truths and, and just the father's heart, just the father's heart for her in that point of pain. And what a powerful moment of just seeing this young lady healed, just healed, just see her countenance transform. And, you know, it was, it was just one of those moments. And that's what I believe God is, is like. God is, enters into our pain. He enters into the, like those places that if we're expectant of it, if we're open to it, he will enter into it. And he will get involved. And he will, he will weep with those who weep. He will mourn with those who mourn. But he won't leave you there. He will heal those who need healing. He will restore those who need that restoration. It's so powerful to see this, that we are super. We are, we are super. We, th this is how the church has been built. This is the people that we're, we, we're, we're hoping that as they're getting ministered to, they're getting ministered to in a supernatural way. So we're, in us being supernaturalists, uh, just another way of saying us believing in the supernatural and, and willing for the supernatural to uh, manifest and move through us, is is the way we get to that place of being a supernaturalist is that we're super intentional. Supernaturalists are super intentional. And I know that we live in a tension of these two worlds. We live in the world that we live in and all that we see around us, but then we also are called to be citizens of heaven, as the word says. We're called to be citizens of heaven. And so I think for most of us, we live in the tension of these two worlds. It's like, which world is going to occupy the other world? We live in the tension of two worlds, a supernatural world and a natural world. When we look around us, we see a lot of natural disaster. We see a lot of natural chaos, a lot of natural stuff that just causes us to not believe and not hope in anything. But which world is going to occupy the other world? We just live in the tension of these two worlds. And, and the world that you spend the most time in, that you involve yourself most into, it will shape the other world. You're either letting earth, your earthly experience, shape how you view heaven, or you're spending time with heaven that you're allowing heaven and that world to shape your world. When I went to uh, uh, Puerto Rico, speaking of Puerto Rico, there was a time that my wife and uh, she, we did something for our anniversary where we were in, uh, we went to Puerto Rico and, and it's been a long time since I had been there. And so we went around, we went to her family's house, my family's house. And one of the things that you're going to find right away in Puerto Rico is how hospitable Puerto Ricans are. They are hospital. I mean, every home we go to, it's like coffee or Pepsi. It's like it's like too early in the morning for some. But anyway, coffee, Pepsi. Then there's then there's the crackers and there's the guava and then there's the cheese and they're like, it's like everywhere people are laughing because that's I mean that's that's just like natural. That's that's what they get. they want to serve you. They want you to eat. They they they're like oh what can what, what can we have? And I was just so impacted by that. I was just I was like they are so hospitable that. I was so impacted by that. You can ask my wife when we got back from there and we got back home, every time people came over the house, would you like some coffee? I'd love to make you some coffee. And I was like, babe, we got to get more of those crackers and, and stuff like that. So it, 
Like, it was for a good minute that I was just into, like, when guests would come over, serve them, like, would you like some coffee? And, and I, I think we have um, hospitality. I think that's one of the, the natural things that is in that culture, right? In the culture of uh, uh, the Borican, the, 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 the Puerto Ricans, they just have this, they have this hospitality. That's just their world. And when you come into the world, you're impacted by that world, right? And, 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 and so it's the same way when we come into the world and into those places of the presence of God. When we come into his presence, there's a world of activity that we begin to experience what he's like. What, what, what he does and how he's a giver and, 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 and how he loves. We're, we experience that. And from that world of experience, there's an overflow of that we give to others. We give that. It just, it just begins to shape our world versus our world to try to shape his world. It's just, it's just something that comes. But it's, it takes time. It takes time to do that. It takes intentionality. So we as supernaturalists are super intentional about hosting his presence. This is what we find Abraham doing. When we, re- when we see the scripture with Abraham, when we find him, he's there at the door of his tent, and he is just aware. Even though it's hot outside, it says it was like a hot day, but he's still not inside, but he's in this Place he's in is in between place, where he's paying attention to at any day at any moment. What God would do, what would happen that he would need to be aware of, so that he would be able to appropriately host what God is doing. And so here's Abraham, and he sees these three men. Instead of it being a hot day and him just staying where he is, he moves towards them. It's like he's aware of what's present. And, 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 and this is so important for us to get this from Abraham because sometimes in our hot day moments, all we are aware of is our situation. All we're aware of is the condition around us. And we're oftentimes not aware of what God is going to show up and do what God makes present, that it happens in that now moment, and that now moment's not always the most convenient moment. But when you're, when you're aware, now you know how to be intentional about what's there and what's present. So here is the, 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 the Lord, this is, this is like a, a, a Jesus-like figure, shows up with, with maybe some angelic um, partners around him, they, they show up, and he is like, these are not just people. There's something supernatural about these people. And I, sometimes we don't, not aware of what's around us, that we just think these are people. Sometimes we're not aware. You know, there's, there's a scripture says, you know, do good at entertaining and hosting people and, and, and be be diligent and do that because you never know when you might be entertaining one of his ministering angels. He's like, just be aware that my world looks to get involved with your world. 
But if you're not expectant, because it's too hot, it's been too long, I'm just in my situation. I just see these are just people that are weird because they're out on a hot, whatever. Like you just, you just start to translate it according to the natural and the flesh. Instead of there's something special about this atmosphere. There's something special that God is doing here. Those people are not just regular people. Those people are carrying something. And so we see with Abraham, he was able to be aware of what's present. If you're going to be a supernaturalist, that's super intentional. You're going to have to be super intentional. And part of being super intentional is how are you hosting the presence? How are you hosting the presence? And one of the ways that we host the presence is... A supernaturalist is super intentional with their time, what they do with time, what they do with their time and energy and how they give that. Are you intentional with your time in spending time in that world, in that place of his presence? Are you super intentional with that? See, it might be hard, like when I mention the word devotion, this is devotion, devotion to me there's imagery that comes up in my mind. When I maybe mention devotion to you, you might think of a word, but you might not have a picture for that word. See, my upbringing and, and, and the way I saw my father in the morning, my father would get up very early in the morning. I remember I would be getting ready for school. I would come downstairs, and as I would come downstairs, probably uh, I had to get to school pretty early, um, when I was going to high school, so I'm up around 6, 6.30. And so I'm, I'm getting up. I go downstairs after he wakes me, and I, I go downstairs, and I would oftentimes catch my father on the couch, and on, between the couch and the floor, kneel down, praying to God. Bible next to him. When I think about devotion, I think about the sacrifice of time and the spending time in the presence, I think about my dad. That's like, that's devotion. It's time in his presence. So when I, when I throw out to you that we need to spend time, sacred time with him, devoted time to him. Here's the thing. Many of you might not have a picture because the only picture you have in waking up in the morning are coffee and cigarettes that your parents would smoke and just, you know, just be down. You wouldn't see a picture of devotion. You would see a picture of maybe survival. You would see a picture of just, I'm just getting prepared for the day. You would, you would see a lot of other pictures, but you don't have that picture. So it's so important that we come into places where we can get a different picture than the picture that we grew up with so that we know what to do with our time. So I just, just... Here's, since you might have not had a picture, I'll just see if I can superimpose a picture over you of what my day looks like when I get up. So it's not, it's not the fullness, but pretty much when I get up in the morning, after I'm done, you know, brushing my teeth, all that stuff, getting dressed, come downstairs. First place I go to is in my office. And in my office, I sit down in that chair. And I have my Bible next to me. And then I just take time in his presence. And say, God, I'm here again. I adore you. I worship you. You are so worthy. God, you are good. You are gracious. You are glorious. And I'll just go to a time of just spending time in prayer and talking to him. And say, God, now as I read your word, 
I want your word to read me. And I want that word that I look at to be made alive and transform me into the likeness of your son, Jesus. And then I open the Bible, and I just read, whether it's the chronological, whether it's a verse. And I take time, and I just read it. I just look at it and sit there and just meditate on it. And I say, thank you, God, for the reading of word. Thank you so much that these habits are making me more aware of where you are and what you're doing. And that's it. I just spend time in his presence. How do you take time, your time, are you super intentional with your time of your own personal devotion, your own personal worship? It's concerning to me when many people find themselves getting angry at the church as to not being all these things for them. And they get so easily offended. The church didn't do this, the church didn't do that. And what you'll find with many individuals that are hurt by the church are not really being spending time with God. Because there's things that God does in your time with him that allow you to give a grace, that allow you to forgive, allow you to have perspective. But if your relationship is with the church more than it is with God, you are super you are super. You are called to be a supernaturalist, and you have to be in super intentional with your time. And do you know how to host his presence? Do you know how to be in this space and make it sacred that this is holy ground? If anybody walks in right now, I hope my kids don't walk in right now because if they walk in right now, they might, be, they might die. They might die because the presence is like that. <laughs> and I hope I didn't give anybody a strategy on how to. Anyway, they're brats anyway. I'm, so, but super intentional with your time. That Do you know how to be aware when his presence is there? That's going to take time. That's going to take time. Time with him. Do you have a space? Do you have time that you devote that is like this is not anybody else's time? It says in the beginning of the day, maybe at the end of your day, find time with him. Get, get in, know what he's saying. See what he's involved. Ask him what he's feeling. Just adore him. Don't only come to him when you have a request. You're treating God like a slot machine. You're treating God like you just like what you can do for me. That's not, that's not spending time with him. That's trying to take a dime from him. <laughs> I just wanted to rhyme that. So, like, I'm not trying to take stuff from him all the time. I'm actually trying to spend time. Are you super intentional about your time? I... I I would have to believe that many people that have found themselves coming to this house are coming because of the supernatural permit. Like, we make room for his presence to do stuff and say stuff and make things happen. We, 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 we do that. And, and, and so we, we believe that's for now. And it wasn't just written then. That some people who are just tired of the same old traditions that are maybe great, phenomenal teaching and things like that, but they're void of the power of God. This is, this is a place that we, we're going to emphasize. We need his miracle because there's still people that are coming in here. They're coming here with cancer in their body. They're coming in the sickness of their mind. They're coming here with relationships that need mended. They're coming here hating their children, hating themselves, hating everything. We, we, we need God to do a supernatural work. We need a supernatural work. So that's why we need to spend, be super intentional 
of our time in his presence so that we are aware of what's present. We're aware of people and, and the presence of God and the angelic ministers and what the Lord wants to do in a place. I don't know all your stories. I know he does. And if I'm spending time with him, he will allow me to maybe enter into your world and just use language that speaks to the world that you're in. And all of a sudden it penetrates your life and then something gets woke in you. You're like, my God, he is so, it's not just a good word, but it's a God word. It's a word that's exactly in my situation. And I felt like Sarah. You might have come in here with, like Sarah. Like it's been a long time since God has done anything. There's a lot of, there's a promise that he promised, but I haven't seen it manifest yet. And, and you might have come in here barren and, and, and not able to see something manifest in your life. But we are supernaturalists. So we believe today can be the day, now can be the hour where that thing that you've been waiting for can manifest. So we're always in this place of expectancy that now can be the time. But we've got to be super intentional about our time, but we also need to be super intentional with our treasure. We need to be super intentional about our treasure because our treasure speaks of the trust that we have. It's one thing to say, I trust in God. It's another something to say, I put my money where my mouth is. That I trust God. I trust God with my sacred treasure that he's given me. I'm sorry, but if you, you, you look throughout Scripture, you can't avoid that there was moments that when the children gave up and the people of God gave their treasure, saying, we're gonna, we, we trust you. We believe you. We want this vision. You would see the presence of God would come into a place. The presence of God. God's world will get involved with their world the way they would devote their treasure to him. This is what happened with Moses, right? Moses, he shares this compelling vision of what God has said they're going to be as a people and what God wanted to do with them and how God wanted to be present with them. He said, I got to build this tabernacle, this ark. I don't got the money and I don't got the means, but he wanted me to share it with you. And if you trust God and you want God, then whatever's on your heart, give. And what did they do as a, a sign of their trust of God? They gave their treasure. They were excessive in their giving. That's not the only moment in the scripture. And of, of course, that was another moment where the presence of God was able to do something phenomenal because of the treasure and the trust that treasure communicated. He did it with, uh, when it was David. David was bringing in the ark, and the people just gave, and he gave. He did it with Solomon, who was building the temple. People gave, and in and, and the presence of God, the Shekinah glory would show up in those moments. You read it in Acts. In Acts, it says the, the people of God, they, they devoted themselves to the teachings and all those other stuff, and they gave. They gave excessively. And in their excessive giving, God would show up and do miracles and manifest in the supernatural because it's like, if you trust me that much, that you're willing to give your treasure and you're willing to sacrifice like that, God is not a God who will be, like, outgiven. He's like, there's no way I'm going to be in debt to you. I, when, you, when you do that and you show that trust, I will give more and I will pour out more than you could ever give. And, and, but, but, but we also read there's times where the people of God refuse to give. And what will happen? It said the gates are shut up. He said, I will shut the gates. My presence will, I will shut the gates of heaven. The flow wouldn't come when my people would withhold. He said, what are we withholding? Tithe, 10%. Just in case you don't know, 10%. Tithe means 10%. 10% of our income. And when we're well taught here so that you know that tithe is, is not like a suggestion. Tithe is actually a command 
and, and, and tithe, the way he shows us, is that that actually belongs to him. And it's the first and it's the best. It's not the last and the leftovers. It's like this is the first thing I do is I give to demonstrate I trust you. And you can do more with my 90 than I can do with my 100%. And so it's a, it's, a, it's a sign of trust. And whenever you would trust and, and, or, or when you're super intentional with your treasure and the way you give, God moves in that. I've been fortunate enough to be on the ground floor of two major moves that happened when I was in Lancaster, moves of God. And one of them um, was when we moved into the Charlotte Street building there, and it was like an influx of people. People just gave. They moved from their storefront into that place, and people gave. And so we were in there. It was such excitement. It was such revival. I mean, it was like angels singing, everything. It was just powerful, that, that time that you would see people just, their excessive giving and their excitement provoked the presence of God to be in the midst. And that was one of the explosive times the church grew. And then the other time, we were actually, we weren't coming in the tail end. We were part of that movement, and they moved to Shipping Street, which was another place in Lancaster, where there was a church that was donating them their building. So they came into that building, but there was a, uh, a need to give, and so pastor invited the giving. I remember being so excited about the opportunity to sow into the vision. I was so excited, but it wasn't just my time that I gave. It was my treasure that I gave, and it wasn't just my treasure and time, but it was also my talent, as we'll talk about in a minute. But I gave it all, and we were, we were able to experience this powerful move of God where, once again, the supernatural was happening. People from all over the place would come. The, 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 the favor of God was just all over those move of God, but it came with people who knew how to and enjoy to give. And excessively bless. If you, you'll find when people are withholding, it actually limits what the presence of God can do. Withholding environments. You know, one of the first things that happens um, in when, when people are uh, maybe distant from God and becoming distant, the first thing is they don't leave right away. They don't, they don't, they don't, leave the church, but their finances leave the basket. And that's how you know they're backslidden. It's evident in their giving before it's evident in where their presence is. Just, just those of you who want to be future pastors in the future and, and you're going to plant a church, just, just that's, that's the way. So, but we're not like, we're not like watching these finances and like, who's backsliding? <laughs> We, we let the Holy Spirit take care of that stuff, but it's just a real, it's a fact, is that when people are having an issue in their relationship with God, one of the first things to go is the treasure. They're basically saying, I don't trust you anymore. They might be saying, I don't trust your people, but in essence, they're saying, I don't trust you, God, with the people that you put in place. So it, it, just keep going on up with that. So, so it's, it's the treasure is, is how are we super intentional in how we give. And the last thing is a supernaturalist that we need to be super intentional with our talent. With our talent. That even what we've been given as a gift or a talent is a sacred thing. So your, your finances are a sacred thing. Your time is a sacred thing. Your gifts are a sacred thing. Supernaturalists are super intentional with their talents and they want their talents to be used 
for the kingdom. They, 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 they know how to serve. They find places to serve and where to give. That they don't give the best of their energies to everything else outside of God, but they find a way in how they, they proportion their talent so their talent can be used for the kingdom. It's just, it's, there's, there's supernaturalists because God is so energized by the church, people who are supernaturalists get energized by what God gets energized by. And God loves his church. Do you know how much he loves his church? How he, much he loves his people? I mean, he, lo- he loves us all, but he loves his church. He loves his bride. He's preparing her. He's preparing her for his son. So he loves, he's devoted, he's committed to that. And for us to not have uh, any ounce of commitment to those places is, is, is what hinders environments where the supernatural is natural. But when you have a people like, no, no, I'm, I give my time. I spend time with him and personal time, and he shows me things, and it helps me to live the, my life. I, I create sacred space for that to happen. My finances are sacred, and so I give not only my tithe, but I give my offering because my offering speaks of a sacrifice. My tithe is not a sacrifice. It's just a requirement. So I give that, but I, I, I know how to offer as well because I trust him, how good he's been. I just, I just trust and I love him that much that I, I do those things. But I, I also love him so much that I want to give my talent. I don't want to keep my talents to myself. I want to just keep my talents to the things that, like, I give my talents to the things that will pay for my talents. You know what they say about that, what that is, right? Pay for my talents. All right. So, I mean, it's a job, but it's other stuff as well. It's like, if, if, if it's just that, then you're just kind of prostituting your gift if they only have to. Anyway, so I, I want to make sure I, I give myself, my talents to the one I have covenant with. And God has covenant with his church and his people. And I want to make sure my, my talents are given to covenant places. And so you serve those gifts. I, I, I just, I, I love the fact that we have medical professionals in here. Some people are involved in the medical field. And, 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 and I, just, I, I just love to highlight different people from time to time. There's so many people I can highlight. But I just think about the SUS and when they got here. And here are medical professionals in their medical field, high up in, in what, they're, what they're doing. And, and they have a job. They have a family. But they give their talents to build up the teachings in this church, to build up circles and small groups in this church. And, you know, there's so many people who give excuses. My work is too demanding that I can't give my talent. But here, they're in the medical field. That's a little bit more exhausting than maybe some of the other things we do because, again, it's, it's, it's like people, it's crisis, it's all these different sessions. There's emotional, mental, and physical drain. So I'm not, I'm not downing anybody. But I'm just saying, here is something probably at the height of maybe emotional roller coaster that they've, or people like that, have every excuse to say, well, I can't give to, I'm just emotionally drained. I'm just giving to my, I'm just, like, this is, this is like at the height of what could be big. And they give their time and their energy and their talent and their treasure into the house of God. It just, to me, is like that. And that's why they're supernaturalists, by the way. That's why they're supernatural. That's why the supernatural is just all on. What they do is because they, 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 they're super intentional. And I can highlight young adults in here that oversee the starting point. It's just so cool to see them graduate and they go to school. And we have people here that they're young adults and they're giving their talents to, to build up things that will be like first, 
first impressions of our church, and they give their time, and they give their talent. See, so it's so important that you not just give your talent, but your talent that you give is excellent. That you do it in a spirit of excellence, not a sloppy seconds, but excellence. That when you serve God, think about it, this is God. Don't you want to give him a good God, a great God, a glorious God? He doesn't give us a sloppy seconds. We want to give him the goat, the greatest of all times. We want to give him the best and the greatest that we have at all times. Right? And so what is excellence? Excellence, you could, I like how Bill Johnson says, excellence is a combination of integrity Creativity and wisdom. And it's an attitude more than it's a performance. And it's an attitude. And when you give your talent to God and you serve his people in whatever way you're called to serve him, is it excellent? Does it have creativity in it? Are you problem solving? Are you making something better? Is it, is it wise? Is it wise? Are you figuring things out and you're making it so that you're proficient in the thing that you're doing? Or is it an afterthought? Is it... Is it uh, was it creative, wise, creative, and integrity? Is it is it integrous? Are you doing it from the right motive, with the right agenda, with the right heart? Is it integrous that no matter how you look at it, it's doing things that is uh, honoring to the people and the God that you're serving? So how are you super intentional with your time, giving our energy to the things that God brings God energy and enjoys, such as his church, is one of the ways when we do that, that we host his presence. That's what you're doing. We're talking about supernaturalists are super intentional about hosting his presence. This is Abraham. Abraham was aware with his time, and he says, okay, these guys, there's something special about that. He invites them in. What does he begin to do? He begins to host. He begins to host. He begins to say, I'm going to give you the best of my of my lifestyle. I'm going to sacrifice. I'm going to, there's, there's money involved with the livestock that I have. So I am giving a sacrifice, a gift, a first. This is a young calf. It's a, it's a first. It's pure. It's innocent. I'm giving you that. That is part of my treasure that I'm giving to you. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to cook this thing up. I'm putting some yogurt on the side. I don't know, just the ingredients. It's like, I got some food over here. We're going we're gonna to deck this thing out. We didn't treat you just like wilderness wanderers. We're treating you like royalty up in here. And he takes up his talent. And he says, wife, we gotta, we gotta, you got to put your elbow in this food. You got you to put everything into this thing. I want the most special ingredients. Got his servants preparing one thing. They lay it out. I mean, you see in this place is just a guy who's super intentional about hosting the presence of what's there. And what does it do after the meal? See, they don't announce anything before the meal. They don't say anything about what they're there to do before anything. They're waiting to, there's a supernatural, there's a supernatural uh, intentionality that's taking place. There's a hosting that they hosted him. He's like, do what you said you're going to do. Follow up on your word. Every, and they ate and they enjoyed. And they were so, the time and the talent, the excellence and the sacredness that Abraham created. Because that's what supernatural environments are. They're blessed. They're sacred. They're inspiring. All those things that he did produced this inspiration. They were so blessed. It was so sacred the way he went about it. The next thing they say is, where's your wife Sarah? Where's the one in need of a miracle? Where's the one who's been waiting for a long time? 
Where is the one who, who's been hoping, but it seems like they might even be behind, because now is the day. Now is the hour. You created an atmosphere, and you hosted me so well that all I want to do is bless. Thank you for listening to the Sermon of the Week. Subscribe to our podcast and social media outlets to be kept up to date with everything going on at In the Light Ministries of Philadelphia.